0: Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend Charles? I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because oh. today we are ushering in a new era for the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Hello to all of the video people in the world. That's right, we are recording video now. We'll see if this video makes it onto places like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. We'll see it. But at least for now, thank you for listening on our wonderful podcast as well. And also, it's a new era because Friends Pitching Fantasy back. We're ready to pitch some new books. Isn't that right, Dylan? Friends Pitching
1: Fantasy is back and better than ever for some reason for some reason this is (laughs) nothing's gonna change it's just better now (laughs) it's just better i mean can i tell you why can i tell you what's different about this friends pitching fantasy than past friends pitching fantasies no but it's bigger and better than ever it's basically
0: impossible to say what's different about this (laughs) versus the last one because it is exactly the same format (laughs) exactly the same style however It's just that there's a new energy, it's a new era, there's new books, that's the new thing about it, and we're going to get all into that. This whole episode is devoted to my pitches, actually, so Mm -hmm. as we've done on this show before, Friends Pitching Fantasy is where we kind of discuss, hey, what books are we going to read next? You know, the last time we did this, we decided we were going to read Nona the Ninth, and we were going to read The Power of Age Trilogy. Gideon the Ninth, yeah, Nona the whatever is the second book. <laughs> we read Gideon the Ninth, yes, by Tamson Muir, and then we read um, the Powder Mage Trilogy by Brian McClellan. Fantastic reads all around, but now that they're done, it's like, what, what's next? You know, we, we got to pick something else, and of course, we always want to bring that conversation onto the show because it's fun to talk about books and, and come to a decision, and uh, we're going to be looking to you guys for some guidance as well, right? Yes.
1: It's fun to come to a decision, <laughs> says Charles.
0: So Decisions
1: fun. are fun. And they are. we're here to make one eventually. I mean, we're going to have this episode likely releasing on a Monday, then we'll have a Wednesday episode, which will be me pitching... My three books to you, Charles, and then likely a Friday episode where after we've garnered feedback from those of you on social media, we will be deciding on a book. And perhaps for the first time, the people will be able to watch the previously audio only <laughs> coin flip that that's decides wrong. which of the series we're going to start with.
0: So I mean, it that's is, a huge yeah, deal because we've yeah, been doing the virtual deal. audio only coin flip for three years and uh we've only had the pleasure of seeing it ourselves and now mm-hmm. it can be captured on video for the world to see so you're not going to want to miss that as our three-part uh episode arc of friends pitching fantasy you know so definitely check that out but for now dylan we got a lot of books to cover here i've got three we, books we to do. pitch to you uh Think about them, and then in that final episode, right before that coin toss, you're going to nominate one, and then we will be reading that book um, in the near future. So, yes. um, the three books that you have to choose from, you got a tough, you got a tough uh, choice ahead of So, um, we kind of already alluded to these, um, hopefully, over on on TikTok eventually, but this episode will probably come out TikTok. But what yeah. is our handle on TikTok,
1: by the way, Charles?
0: Excellent question. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, hopefully do I need it's to... FTF Podcast or The FTF Podcast. At
1: The FTF
0: Podcast. The FTF Podcast. The podcast. That At The FTF Podcast. So, yes. And uh, hey, guys. Let's like a Hit a like and smash that bell and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't think you there's know where Because we're on oh, YouTube TikTok. now, hopefully, too. Well, you know, just, if there is a bell ever... Press it, because uh, it's got to be good, right? So, um, What if the bell is up.
1: to report an account
0: on TikTok? <laughs> Maybe we deserved it then, I don't know. But um, <laughs> let's get to the books, because that's why we're here, right? So the three books, I'll summarize them quickly. The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter, which is book two of The Burning, uh, continuing From when we read book one last year, uh, The Rage of Dragons, which was a super popular indie darling becoming, uh, you know, published bestseller. So all that good stuff. Um, Then you have The Black Prism by Brent Weeks, book one of Lightbringer. Brent Weeks returns to Brent's pitching fantasy. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride is Brent Weeks. And I'm hoping that this time around um, you will say I do. So that's The the Black Prism by Brent Weeks. And then last, but most certainly not least, is Dune by Frank Herbert, book one of the Dune Saga. This is a literary titan, uh, definitely one of the most influential works of science fiction he's definitely the tolkien of sci-fi you can make the case for sure he's definitely one of those mount rushmore faces and with the movie coming out in march now's the time to read the book and get on the content train so those are the three books dylan how are we feeling we're feeling like
1: we're gonna have a tough decision on our hands because you're bringing like you said a titan of the genre uh, in uh, frank herbert that, that's right right <laughs> De- that is correct De- De- yeah by frank herbert uh and then whenever we're dealing with brent weeks uh, i know you said that always the bridesmaid never the bride when it comes to brent weeks i on did Fred say Fred's that Pitching that was Fantasy. off the cuff there huh? yeah yeah, good. <laughs> yeah you you drop the that you hope i say i do uh, we'll have to see if it gets to that point. And then you've got the the series I've been wanting to continue uh, in yeah, Evan Winters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Evan Winters, the fires of vengeance. I mean, look at this beautiful cover in case this is actually viewable somewhere this moment. It, <laughs> it is gorgeous. I've already got the book and I... I've been wanting to get into it ever since we covered the incredible first book, The Rage. Me of
0: too. Trek. I was thinking of books to pick, and I was having a little bit of a hard time. And then I remembered. I was like, "Oh my god! I've been wanting to read this for forever." So definitely, rapidly jumped to the top of my recommendations for this episode. So I'm going to start there. I think you know, it's it's like you said, Dylan. It's one of those ones that it was one of our favorite reads of, of last year. Um, mm-hmm. when we were on SFF Addicts, and we were giving our best reads of 2023. That was one of the ones that we brought to the table. Um, and it was right out of the gate, just action-packed. We loved it. I've said multiple times now on the show, it gives me like DVZ meets Stranger Things combined, which is a fantastic pitch. And then, of course, it's this epic fantasy in an African-inspired setting, which we love as well. Um, to give you a few of its stats here, we've got an mm. average rating of 4.38 stars with 13,000 ratings and 1,000 reviews, which is pretty darn good. First published on November 10th in 2020, so not that long ago, and it's around 530 pages. So pretty respectable mm. numbers there, and I'll give you a quick Little synopsis here, um, without getting into any spoilers. This will be spoiler free, of course. Maybe I'll just talk about Evan Winter instead, because I don't want to get into any character names or anything like that. And this, um, for those of us that haven't read *The Rage of Dragons*, you have time to read it now and catch up. I would highly recommend it. But Evan Winter is a very interesting character and a like a, just a huge rising star over the past ten years. Um, here, well, not ten years. I guess it's a little less, right? But um, 2019 so fantastic you know winner of the reddit fantasy award for best debut novel back in 2019 he's a best-selling author his debut novel that we talked about the rage of dragons uh which is the book one of what is planned to be a quartet um was originally self-published before being acquired by orbit and then now he's gone on his way to be listed by Time Magazine as one of the 100 uh, best fantasy books of all time. So this not is shabby. huge accolades not in Time. Yeah, not too shabby <laughs> at all. And you, we, we saw why when we read um, The Rage of Dragons. It's all there. It's like fantastic epic fantasy, great action set pieces, great military like kind of strategy incorporated into it. and. And, you know, our main character is just so fascinating the way he's able to train and get stronger and be the best warrior and that constant drive that kind of almost strips away his humanity as he pursues it. You know, it's really great thematic care and character development. Reached a big head at the end of The Rage of Dragons and I'm super curious to see where it continues in The Fires of Vengeance. Um, Dylan, this was one that, before you even read Rage of Dragons, you bought both Rage of Dragons and the Fires of Vengeance, isn't that correct? That is
1: correct, Your Honor.
0: <laughs> that is. I arrest my case because <laughs> I mean, come on. You you had full intentions of reading this book before you even read the first page. And that goes to show you how powerful, you know, Evan Winter as a force and how powerful this series has. Has been. We've got a lot of peers that have given praise for this book specifically. William Gwynn, our friend over at the Brothers Mm Gwynn, gave this five out of five. He says it's a story that he loved in every way. And it seems, he says, um, you know, uh, I'm going to try and paraphrase this here. He says, whilst the Rage of Dragons is one of my favorite books of all time, I had forgotten some of the intrinsics of the ending, the roles of some characters, but Evan Winter subtly provides a summary throughout the first chapter and immersed me back into this world and had the plot up and running within 10 pages without leaving the reader in confusion. This brilliant crafting of pace would set a precedent for the rest of the book. He calls it a instant page-turning immersive read. And that's coming from William Gwynn over at Brothers Gwynn. So you know you can take that to heart. And I know that it's been several months since we've read Rage of Dragons*. So you can put those concerns to rest now that we can just jump right They're into to rest. this book. Excellent. So already <laughs> this is going well. Uh, Nils at Nils Reviews It said, in short, The Fires of Vengeance is an African-inspired fantasy where you will become enraptured by the battle of lessers against nobles, dragon against dragon, demons against all these main characters and without a doubt Winter is an <laughs> author who will never allow you to catch your breath. I paraphrase the character names. I didn't want to say any character names because who knows wow. who lives and who dies don't want to spoil nothing. Your loyalty um,
1: to the non-spoiler is I'm doing my best, doing Charles, my best. D- I'll
0: just, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. I don't I really know if I did
1: it. as well in my pitches which will be forthcoming but I, I tried. <laughs> well but I don't know if I went like, I can't name main characters but um Yes, it's possible I will underlock name Lamora's characters. name. I mean, it's yeah. My, I mean, it's exactly in my exactly. pitch for the Gentleman bastards. <laughs> right, right.
0: I, I think you'd be okay to do that. I'm, I'm just yes. you know dancing around, no, giving too much detail. No one dances like you, Charles. Even Don't though you, you did skip
1: you? the FDF Christmas party where we usually or a tiny <laughs> holiday party. Again, I told you I wasn't invited. I didn't know what moves. was happening. You had, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you had it all by yourself. And then last, of course, is our friend Sam, the book in hand, who also gave it five out of five stars. And they said, uh, Fires of Vengeance is an incredible book that does not stumble or bow down to the other books in this genre. It stands strong and so proud. It is two books and an ultimate favorite of mine. So a massive thank you to Evan Winter for writing this masterpiece and allowing us to experience such an incurable book. I mean... I will leave it there. I'm super excited to read this. This is something that I've been looking forward to all for a long time, and I know you have as well. Is now the time that we continue? I would. I'm feeling pretty good about it. So um, that's my pitch for uh, the second book of the Burning: The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter. It's gonna be hard
1: to pick against uh, the sequel to The Rage of Dragons. I mean. You said it, Charles. This was one of our favorite reads of last year. He's made a huge fan of me and clearly made a huge fan of some of our close friends in the <laughs> fancy community, folks that we know, we uh, respect their opinions greatly and that we have similar tastes to many of them, so... I don't know, Charles. I don't know how I uh, I'm going to decide between this
0: and those other heavy hitters that you're bringing. I know, it's it's tough, and I I it, it's I don't Like I said, like that's one I've been dying to read. I almost read it over the winter break, but uh, I restrained myself and
1: mm, it um, was almost it, a winter's break.
0: <laughs> it almost was. <laughs> it almost was. E- so. Let me get right into my second one. Let's power through these here. I've got The Black Prism by Brent Weeks, which is book one of Lightbringer. Now, Dylan, not too long ago, you will remember that I pitched a different trilogy by, well, this is not a trilogy, but I pitched a different series uh, by Brent Weeks, which was the Night Angel trilogy. Uh, The book one was The Way of Shadows. This time around, I'm pitching The Black Prism, which is book one of the Lightbringer series. Um, Two separate stories, two separate settings, but Lightbringer is his later work, although he is revisiting the world of Night Angel in his recent releases, but um, this is his most recent completed series. And it's pretty much universally decided that Brent Weeks has, like, this is his... um, you know, premier series that he's only gotten better as an author as he's progressed in his career because Night Angel was his first um, series, so this is his mm-hmm. second, um, and it's a big boy. Uh, just to give you some stats here, it's about 630 <laughs> pages, so significantly longer than um, Fires of Vengeance. Um, 4.3 stars, similar ratings, but 121,000 ratings and 6,000 reviews, so a bit chunkier. Um, but it's been around for a lot longer. This book was released in 2010, so it's got about 10 years on <laughs> Evan Winter's books to accumulate some reviews there, but pretty much similar reception. Um, Brent Weeks, you know, I was first exposed to Brent Weeks way back after reading Mistborn and just wanting more of that chasing that high of Mistborn, and Night Angel was one that was frequently recommended which it, I see the resemblance, Brent Weeks's attention to his hard magic systems and the intricacies and the way they play beautifully into exciting combat action scenes. like Just like Mistborn, is super strong in um, Night Angel as well. And that continues um, into Lightbringer as well, so I'm told. But he's always had a bit of an edge, so I'll read the premise a little bit. So you can get a sense for it because I have not read this book. So here we go. Guile is the prism, the most powerful man in the world. He is high priest and emperor, a man whose power, wit, and charm are all that preserve Mm. a tenuous peace. Yet prisms never last, and Guile knows exactly how long he has left to live. When Guile discovers he has a son born in a far kingdom after the war that put him in power, he must decide how much he's willing to pay to protect a secret that could tear his world apart. So there's a couple things there that I found very interesting. One is this, like, powerful, charming, witty person that I think, you know, as someone who's proclivative to rogues and is... Pitching books from the Gentleman Bastard series, you could appreciate, <sighs> of course. Um, and then just the idea of this already, this prism, right? It's it, it's this magic system that's pretty intricate and built on colors, and I don't fully understand it, but my understanding is it's uh, <laughs> complex and rich and intricate and exciting like that's pretty much what universally everyone says about it it's compared to brandon sanderson of course that's probably his biggest but then scott lynch mark lawrence and joe abercrombie also make the list so that's pretty good company right there you know all of which we've covered on the show before i would consider you know brent week's a gap in our ftf library that i would love to include And um, the series is complete. It's five books. I'm only suggesting we read the first book for now to see how we like it and to pick up the others as we go. But um, I feel very good about it. I've been kind of psyching myself up about the idea of reading it just to dive into an exciting epic fantasy with like a la Mistborn levels of hard magic is with some mature edge to it has me really interested. So that's why I brought it to the table today. And uh, yeah, man, it is now the time. Are you going to say I do to, to, uh, to Brent Weeks? I'm on, an, I'm on one knee, man. I'm on one knee right now. I Ranging do
1: <laughs> not know which book I'm <laughs> going to pick because this is a this is a huge gap, not just in the FTF catalog, but in my own personal resume when it comes to being a fancy reader. Brent Weeks is. I guess pretty much all of us have some author, right? That's like, why have I not read anything by this person? It makes I absolutely zero I sense. Like, Scott you're... Lynch for 10, 15 years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you mentioned Scott Lynch I mean, alongside Mark Lawrence, and who else did you say there? Sanderson. It's Anderson. Abercrombie, was he in the mix? It's yeah. like uh, Joe Abercrombie, like, if that is the group of authors that we're throwing Brent Weeks into, it's like, oh, you mean like four of my uh, probably top ten favorite authors? Like, borderline four of the top five? Weeks
0: has a proclivity for rogues, which I know you like, so like, uh, it, it seems like a natural fit. Yeah, so
1: why have I not read Brent Weeks? I have no idea, but... I really need to. So, we're talking about Evan Winter, who wrote a book that I already have read and loved. Do we continue mm-hmm. with that series uh, now versus Brent Weeks, who maybe I haven't experienced, but every single sign points to that I will love right. his work. Mm-hmm. It's so. I do tough, feel like Charles. I'm taking a little
0: bit of a risk pitching something I haven't read before or you know have experience with with Lightbringer, but it's pretty much universally like declared that his writing style has improved with the exercise mm-hmm. of, of putting out stuff and uh you know it's it's really well received it's got some mixed bag reviews and i think that's just the sign of the mature edge that it has and some of the content is is um you know he picks very dark worlds that are very kind of one-sided and so but it, it can be a bit um offensive to some people so We'll see. I'm looking – like that would be a really interesting conversation to kind of navigate from our own experience. Like is it just that it's not really speaking to a modern fantasy audience or is it that this is just uh, um, like too intense for some people? That's where I'm curious to figure out where that criticism is coming from. But otherwise, I mean it's it's always – heavily premiered on the bookshelves in every bookstore it's you know it's some it takes prime real estate every single time it's one of these modern classics and yeah. i feel like it would be well worth the exercise of of covering on the show yeah I and mean, it definitely feels like the kind of thing where
1: someone new can stumble upon friends talking fancy and be scrolling through the feed looking for their favorite <laughs> book one of brent weeks's <laughs> modern classics and <laughs> They're like, okay, Sanderson, Scott Lynch, like uh, they're like they they have to have covered something, right? And they just Mm. aren't finding it. Uh, I feel bad for those folks out there, and it does make me. I feel it's incumbent upon me to cover these at some
0: point, but Mm. uh, can I pick it over? Fires of Vengeance. The thing I forgot to mention. Yeah, you got it. Dune is coming, but one thing I forgot to mention about. Evan Winter's Fire of Vengeance is unconfirmed. The only place I could find it was a small blurb in on Goodreads, but it says Book 3, The Lord of Demons, has an expected publication date of March 21st, 2024 which, if true, is very soon. Um, yeah. i doubt the validity I, of that <laughs> anytime
1: I, I see those like how many times were we speaking of gentleman bastard like normally by now be, we would have seen some more yeah. promo
0: some more conversation around it besides one yeah blur. you should have
1: you should have arcs available by long before that and right I, so i i think it's very unlikely that that's the right. case and like i was saying we've had the Thorn of Ember Lane, book four of Scotland's Gentleman Bastard sequence. Like, I feel like I've seen like five or six different release dates for mm-hmm. that over the last five or
0: six years. Mm-hmm. So. But one date that we can be very sure about, Dylan, is the movie Dune Part Two will release in theaters in March 1st, 2024, mm-hmm. which means that reading. The book Dune by Frank Herbert, book one of the Dune saga, right now, would be perfect timing. And you can take that timeline all the way to the bank. March 1st. It was originally gonna Mm. be like a prime winter release, but all of the like writer strikes, Mm. actor strikes, sag people strikes. No one is a prime
1: winter release. (laughs) Fires. <laughs> I was like, what?
0: <laughs> Evan the so, puns are on fire right now. Yes, Just like uh, the fire's of vengeance And yes. uh, yeah. do, are you glad I interrupted
1: to your ear pitch to, to do that?
0: Thank you for doing that. That was really worth it. (laughs) Not quite sure how to segue back. So I'm just going to bulldoze through (laughs) and say that uh, I'm pitching Dune by Frank Herbert, book one of the Dune saga. Um, Very similar reviews. Here's its stats 4.26 stars. However, Dylan, Mm. 1.3 million ratings, which is like, you know, 10 times uh, Lightbringer, and then 58,000 reviews. Um, This was first published back in 1965 and is around 658 pages. So it's one of the OGs. And we've read a couple OG series in our FTF career. And it's always a really interesting kind of glimpse into the timeline of influences of modern fantasy that really is what inspires us. Um, And I think that's some of the balancing that we're going to have here. I think there's going to be a really interesting kind of scholarly approach to this and to kind of like go back in the timeline, reverse engineer all the influences that we've experienced just through like modern sci-fi and fantasy that can stem back from Dune. But also there's a really great story here. I have read Dune before. You know, we've both seen Dune part one. I've seen the Mm -hmm. David Lynch Dune as well. um and what's fascinating about dune is it's a tentpole sci-fi one of the most influential works of science fiction ever you, you know just like tolkien has influenced fantasy you could argue that uh, frank herbert is certainly up there on mount rushmore if not the tolkien equivalent of modern fantasy especially when you consider the kind of space opera spin of it so i know like things like star wars heavily influenced by Dune, but visually conceptually um narratively you know with the with focus on themes and, and character development while still having some really interesting sci-fi technology and, and action so i think that's the thing that we're going to be most interested in the fact that yes it's science fiction which we do cover on the show many times. But it's definitely leaning towards space opera, which is, um, you know, kind of closer to it's more fantasy adjacent than like the straight up hard sci-fi stuff about the, like space travel and, and aliens and laser guns and all that stuff. So a lot of really interesting um, thematic elements to get into there. But I'll read the synopsis super quickly here. Um because everyone kind of is somewhat familiar with Dune, but it's set on this desert planus Arrakis. Dune is the story of a boy named Paul Atreides, heir to a noble family, tasked with ruling an inhospitable world, where the only thing of value is the spice melange, a drug capable of extending life. The spice, the spice melange. and enhancing consciousness coveted across the known universe, melange is a prize worth killing for. That could easily be a fantasy synopsis right there, you know. Like, yeah. come on, that checks all the boxes. When House Atreides is betrayed, the destruction of Paul's family will set the boy on a journey towards a destiny greater than he could ever have imagined. And as he evolves into the mysterious man known as the Muad'Dib, he will bring forth into fruition humankind's most ancient and unattainable dream. So, big, big thematic um, elements there. Um, classic. Story, chosen one, all this stuff, epic journey, uh, everything you you know and love about the fantasy world. Um, it's you know tied for for the Hugo Award for best novel and won the very first ever Nebula Award for best novel in 1966. Yeah. And you know it's the first installment of the Dune Chronicles, which I think is like eight books. But the first book is a contained story. I think that we can kind of read that and stick with it. Um, you know, the only reviewer that I kind of wanted to bring into this who's like a fantasy person that publicly reviewed this was Patrick, of course. He's reviewed every book ever existed. (laughs) He might Um, come up in my uh, (laughs) fantasy as well. He he gave Dune 3.5 out of 5. And to Mm. Quickly summarize his very extensive wonderful review. I'm I'm going to boil down to one sentence of his. <laughs> is overall Dune was a truly and revolution truly a revolutionary book for its time that is filled with tons of imaginative and fantastic ideas. Although there were some parts that disappointed me, I still like the book, and I finally understand why there is so much discussion and praises around this book. I recommend this to every sci-fi fan for its importance, and also, it's good to know where most fantastic sci-fi you've read, or you're reading now, got its idea from. So, that is the biggest praise for it. Um, It's got mixes of soft and hard science fiction, and the way it's been described is the attention to ecology is hard. The anthropology and the magic, which they call psychic abilities, is soft. So it's kind of like this fun balance between the two. And, of course, lots of themes around religion, um, different cultures, psychology, which I know you love psychology. Um, uh, but here's true. a fun thing that I read on the Wikipedia page that the source, you try and click it and it goes to a... a 404 page not found link so it's totally unverified and nice something I nice couldn't find anywhere else so you know we're off to a good start um here is it here it is did you know that tolkien refused jrr tolkien himself refused to review Dune on the grounds that he disliked it quote with some intensity and thus felt it would be <laughs> unfair to herbert another working author if he gave an honest review of the book which if true, you already put him on blast. <laughs> Not that he like <laughs> needs it because he's such an acclaimed uh, sci-fi author, but it's just funny that our boy Tolkien, which, you know, if we got to pick a side in this fight. Oh, yeah. Well, I know <laughs> you which know side I'm picking. <laughs> you got to back your boy Tolkien, right? I mean, come yeah. on. Uh, but uh, he was very gentlemanly about it. He's like, hey, if you don't got anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But maybe you you don't
1: even say that you don't have anything nice to say. (laughs) Yeah,
0: maybe don't even say that. That was a little bit catty talking, if I'm being honest.
1: (laughs) Somehow that's like worse. It's like how they don't show the monster until toward the end of uh, (laughs) some of these like monster flicks. You think like Cloverfield, for example. It's Mm -hmm. like. You just—it's scarier in your mind. What? <laughs> what like, something wow, might really be when you don't it. know Meanwhile, the exact no one would know what shape of it. Thought. Exactly. It's like <laughs> yeah. you don't even know what Tolkien hated about it, so your imagination runs wild into the. You most didn't even know if Tolkien hated it. Like, you
0: just never thought about it. <laughs> What's that? Well, it, no, you, it's, like no one knew that Tolkien even hated it because he hadn't said anything about it. <laughs> then he's also, like,
1: but when did the quote? come out where it was like he disliked it with some intensity.
0: Because he
1: was saying why he refused to review it. Yeah, exactly. but that's what I'm saying. Is like the, <laughs> the review itself might not be as much of an indictment on the book if you actually get to hear I, what I he says like than just like the Frank hint of, Herbert, I disliked it with intensity.
0: I feel like if I was him at this point, I would put uh, disliked with some intensity-J.R.R. Tolkien as a blurb <laughs> on the book. You know, it's like, how could you not? That's in itself pretty fascinating, but um, if it's even true, it's, again, it was a sourced... But the source didn't exist on Wikipedia, so I'm sure I could do further research. But just wanted to let you know that Tolkien uh, disliked Dune. So something to consider. Um, The last thing I'll consider, the want you to consider, though, and I touched on it earlier, is the Dune movie. You know, it was split into two parts, part one and part two. Um, Part one came out in 2021. Part two is dropping in like a matter of weeks, you know, March 1st, 2024. So the opportunity to juice this bad boy for content, right? Like the people are going to be curious about Dune. There's going to be an ignited passion for Dune. And here we are with our modern lens looking, discussing the book right on time. You know, it would be very, very slick of us to pull that off. And, of course, there's the Dune Part 1. We could watch and talk about Dune Part 2. We can watch and talk about while it's in theaters, you know. Then there's the David Lynch Dune. You know, there's so much doom stuff that we could dive into if we chose to it just opens the door for a breath of 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 content that none of the other books that i'm pitching today really have the opportunity to do beyond like the, the book discussions and just you know good old-fashioned um friends talking fantasy but here we go there's a sci-fi twist very culturally relevant big juicer for seo and that's doom frank herbert we should check it out we should read it what do you think <laughs>
1: I think that Patrick said it very well in a way that, mm. you know, the part of the pitch that you didn't say, uh, actually, the was what stuck out to me. Like the one that some other person said. No, um, mm. you said it well, too.
0: Jordan I mean, I did. Busting you. your chops. I have but read the book, I
1: think yeah. that you grabbed a great quote as well from Patrick, which is kind of how I'm imagining I'm going to receive Dune. Because it's actually, if we're being honest here. It's a little bit how I received the Lord of the Rings books, Uh, which is this appreciation for the book in its context while also knowing that it like set off all of these other works. And at the same time, because I've already read a lot of the works that uh, this thing has inspired or experienced them via film or other medium as well. uh, It's, it becomes almost this thing that's like not as great in, uh, in retrospect, in terms of the like actual, just fun of reading it. Like it doesn't make it less great in terms of what it did, how uh, impressive it was how seminal a work it was and all that stuff but just literally the process of reading is not as enjoyable as it would be otherwise i call it the seinfeld effect charles where it's like every <laughs> it every sitcom like let's say how i met your mother or whatever it's like uh, or friends right they're reusing so many seinfeld concepts and mm-hmm. uh, then a lot of times, though, they're kind of trying to take it to the next step because they're trying to build on something that Seinfeld did. And then if you watch those kind of shows and then you go back and you watch Seinfeld, you're like, uh, like, but How I Met Your Mother did it with this extra twist. And it's like, yeah, How I Met Your Mother... Took ninety five percent Seinfeld and like added five percent, and they're like, "We're <laughs> funny," which yeah, I do like. How I you met your mother, but you get what I am saying. Is I know, but that I, I feel like I have it's to like say then I when you Seinfeld, you know, still Seinfeld, <laughs> great Seinfeld's great, but there is a yeah, like an extent to which a when I am watching Seinfeld, I am not enjoying it as much as I would otherwise because the things are not as novel as right. they were when the show actually right. Uh, Premiered, And I, I think I experienced order. that with like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings where it's like, this is so fantastic. Look at everything he's done. And it's like, dude, like the concept of elves themselves <laughs> in the way that they're conceived in fantasy, like obviously the concept of elves long uh, predates Tolkien, but that particular like kind of elf uh, that's sure. in the Legolas model, like that was created by Tolkien and now we've seen that so much. You know, we play Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, there's characters that are legless wombies, and you see them all over the genre. And it's Hobbit, like, one I'm not these, amazed right? by the idea of an elf in the way that mm. I would have been if I was reading in the 50s, you know? For sure. And I the think that Dune
0: thing. Yeah. And
1: Dune just, loves some of that. But yeah. I do love going back. Like, I'm really happy to have read Lord of the Rings. And I do love going back and seeing the context and uh, viewing it with, like you said, the modern lens. And of course, he can't beat getting ahead of the game when it comes to dune part two i mean we can be those people that said oh i read the book actually and in the book <laughs> well, you know they didn't do that yeah Zendaya did not stare at the camera for this long in the book good yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, it was we'll way less out. loud yeah, yeah it, it. it was but um... <laughs> well, i can't imagine there's that much staring into the camera in the... i mean that was like n- it was like eighty percent, I would
0: say, of well, there's the, a reason the first movie was just two like movies, right? Close Did up? I also yeah. mention that this director, by <laughs> the way, um, Dennis Villeneuve, uh, directed um, Sicario Arrival, which we love, Blade yeah. Runner twenty forty nine, which is universally acclaimed as a just a beautiful movie, all sci fi masterpieces, and uh, yeah, it's you know everyone Dune one was received very well. I enjoyed it, so I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we should definitely watch it, especially if we've read the book. I think we're going to it's going to be great. And like you said, it's interesting to see where it's come from and then how it's interpreted for modern audiences. I think, um, you know, there's going to be a lot around. uh it's still a very entertaining story, very creative story, and I know you'll be able to appreciate that in its context. It is from 1965, so the narration is not going to have that modern feel that we love. So that's the part that's going to weigh it down. It's not like reading Robin Hobb from the 90s where you could. it's still dated, but it's like so progressive and beautiful that we can appreciate it. Both as a story and as a piece of history, this one will sit more on the piece of history side, but it's still a very, very entertaining story that we'll be able to enjoy as well. So, that's that's my three pitches, Dylan. That's that's my part of friends pitching fantasy. Uh, I guess all it's next to do is you got to wait and see what public reception is, right? Yeah, we'll send out a call on social media at the very least
1: on. T- twitter or x or whatever mm-hmm. it is at the ftf podcast one and also on instagram via our stories we'll make we'll make polls on both of these social media platforms In- instagram is at the ftf podcast and keep an eye out that should be going up within a day or so of this episode's release and that'll help inform my decision i won't necessarily just go with whatever up <laughs> Public opinion, popular opinion, yeah. says uh, it's more of an electoral college kind of situation where <laughs> I have all of the votes in the end, and uh, the popular vote isn't as important, but it it's does hard. help sway. Yeah, it does help sway where I go. And I think like last time, I I was very puzzled last time, and I pretty much just went with what <laughs> the the public said. So mm-hmm. you have an impact over what I choose if you want to, very badly. Get out there. Tell us.
0: Vote. <laughs> All and you Dune fans, if now's the time to yeah. rise up and make your voices heard, you know? Yeah. So. Or Fires of Vengeance.
1: Fires or, of, Vengeance. of course, the Brent Weeks fans out there. It's... You got to bring, bring the energy. Weeks if help you want me out. Me to I've pick been fighting Brent this weeks. fight
0: for like three years <laughs> <laughs> trying to read this guy on the show. Probably the longest we've ever campaigned for an author that we haven't ultimately read at this point yeah, longer than Scott Lynch now. One. So it is.
1: Um, well, Scott Lynch had like a decade of me wanting you to read him before we even start a podcast but whatever hey
0: i read night angel trilogy before you read general lies of lachlan so there's precedent mm, here but no the campaigning was, was much wrong, stronger for lies of lachlan that's fair but um still brent weeks Matt, come on let's do it but i think that's it for now um We'll put those, we have a couple days to decide. You know, we're going to do an episode of your pitches, which I'm very excited to hear. Mm. And then we'll make our final decision in our third and final part of Friends Pitching Fantasy. And I guess now, Dylan, all that's left to do is to get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, right? Yeah, that's all there's left to do. Get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, girls. All right, here we go. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show, do that over on the socials. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, right? This is the first time we're doing this. I'm not as rehearsed. And then at the FTF Podcast on TikTok, yeah. And YouTube, right? And then it's at the FTF oh, Podcast with number one at the end on, <laughs> uh, on on Twitter. So just Google us and find all that stuff. It'll be online somewhere. Um, but Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even more than engaging with us and supporting us over on social media, what can they do?
1: toss five stars to our podcast which you can do over on spotify do that by clicking about at the top of the friends talking fantasy podcast page then clicking those stars uh right by that rating (laughs) it's a really annoying system uh but i won't complain about it uh too much here uh then you can also rate and or review on apple podcasts and that means you can write Nice things about us, about me and Charles, just personally, that we seem like nice guys, and that you tossed us five stars just for that. You didn't even listen to the podcast. (laughs) That's okay. We'll take it. We'll allow it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's odd because that means you're listening to this, so you did listen to the (laughs) podcast, but whatever. You know what? Just give us five stars. Tell your friends to do it. Tell your friends to vote. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your friends to vote in the polls, too. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Anyway, hey, we'd love for you to rate and review, but just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for doing that.
0: Well said, Dylan. Just listening, guys, is so awesome. Thank you all for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.